Um, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Kia Ora. Today, we will talk about a project that is progressing the national um, harmonization of temporary traffic management practice and its recent, um, recent reset and review. We have more than 400 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Communications Officer at Austroads and I will be moderating today's session together with Richard Delplace, um, Austroads Transport Network Operations Program Manager, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar and he is also one of our today's presenters. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Network Operations Program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. Um, a bit of housekeeping. Our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session uh, for 15 minutes. The slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. If your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of that slide in your message um, to help us answer your question as best as we can. You can also use that same questions box to let us know if you have any technical problems. But a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your connection. So leaving the session and rejoining um, via your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording um, is available on our website. And if you listen to podcasts, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. Our presenters today are Richard Del Place and Chris uh, Candiziotis. Richard is Austroads Transport Network Operations Program Manager. In his role, he leads best practice research and national um, harmonization on matters related relating to real-time um, road network operations, ITS, network planning, traffic engineering, active travel, um, road freight management, as well as the national um, harmonization effort on temporary traffic management. Chris is an executive with 25 plus years experience in chief executive and director roles across Australia and international organizations. With a background in infrastructure, transport, regulation and compliance, Chris has unique skills in startups, implementation and operationalization of programs. So welcome to you both and over to you Richard. Thank you very much Ekaterina and uh, welcome all uh, to this webinar. Uh, on temporary traffic management harmonization. Um, sorry, Katerina, just to confirm, you can see my screen all good? Yes, it yes, is all working. Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> much. Um, so a bit of background. Hopefully, um, most of our audience would have uh, heard about this effort that Oz Roads is leading uh, on behalf of its member agencies uh, for the last for the last few years already. Uh, the project commenced in 2014-2015. Uh, um, this is a board strategic project, uh, so led directly by uh, the Oz Roads Board, um, with representatives from all our member agencies. Um, initially, this project obviously focused on uh, the delivery of the Oz Roads Guide to uh, Temporary Traffic Management. Um, which uh, has been released, as most of you will hopefully know, uh, in December 2019. Uh, since then, and uh, throughout the last 18 months, uh, quite troubled by uh, the COVID uh, restrictions, um, we've uh, worked with our uh, member agencies in uh, their adoption of the Oz Roads Guide to Temporary Traffic Management within their own uh, guidance and, and regulations. So this is well on the way uh, with the guide, uh, the national guide having been uh, incorporated in most of the jurisdictions practice already. Um, beyond that, uh, we've been working 
last year in 2020 and, and until now um, in in the other modules of, of the project um, working on uh, developing the training framework and national pre-qualification scheme uh, that is um, that, are, that are part of the project one of the key aspects that we delivered last year is uh, working with uh, the industry reference committee uh, of the AISC and PwC skills for Australia uh, to revise the units of competency and skill sets associated with the training framework um, that we are developing and to recognize the different road categories and roles um, that we have uh, implemented through the DO's Roads Guide. Um, so this is uh, an opportunity uh, again to, to, to thank and, and acknowledge our board and, and the executive at, at Rose Roads. Uh, so our board led by Neil Scales and, and our chief executive at Rose Roads, uh, Jeff Allen, who um, have obviously are leading this, uh, this, this initiative um, at, at, the, at the board level. Um, what we've um, identified earlier this year, we, we've, we've, we've undertaken a, a bit of a reset of the project, um, uh, acknowledging that this project uh, is not uh, as business as usual as probably was expected in 2015 uh, at the onset of the project. Um, with um, the, the de delivery, development and maintenance of the Oz Roads guides is, is quite core business uh, to Oz Roads as we have uh, over 10 guides now that we, we develop and maintain on behalf of our member agencies. Uh, but, however, the, the delivery of the, the training and pre-qualification scheme and, and device assessment scheme, which we'll talk about later, um, are less so uh, core business for those roles. So they require a different approach and, and, and a different skill sets within the project team to, to deliver these uh, successfully. Um, beyond that, we acknowledge also the fact that this is a very large scale project, far reaching uh, with significant, significant complexity. Uh, as we look to implement those schemes uh, into operations in a federated environment where um, uh, they are uniquely regulated um, state and territories uh, uh, practices um, so that we have to uh, acknowledge and work work and interface with um, so um, this is why we've we've undertaken a, a review of the project uh, and as a reminder uh, these these are the, the member agencies that uh, we're working with you will see compared to slide four that uh, Ekaterina presented earlier we are missing New Zealand here uh, the, the the reason for this is that we are focused the project is focused on harmonizing the, pro the practice within Australia. We acknowledge that New Zealand transport agencies are in uh, the process of updating their own code of practice and uh, down the track they will be uh, through the Osroads work further harmonization between Australia and New Zealand but uh, for the time being our focus is in harmonizing the, pro the practice within, uh, within Australia, the Australian jurisdictions. Um, as part of this inception, we've uh, put in place new project governance. We've um, uh, established a, a new uh, task force, uh, increasing the, the government's, uh, governance ar arrangement, uh, supporting the existing Osroads Technical Reference Group that, project, that provides subject matter expertise to the project. Um, and, um, and, and as you can see, we've, uh, we've identified uh, additional, additional needs um, additional consultants uh, that um, that we need to resource uh, our project team and 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 first and foremost we've uh, engaged uh, earlier this year uh, a full-time project manager in the person of obviously Chris Conidiciolis. Um beyond the introduction that uh, Ekaterina give, gave earlier uh, just wanted to acknowledge Chris's experience in leading uh, operationalization of, of uh, national harmonization efforts uh, and Chris has been obviously uh, uh, more than instrumental in uh, the establishment of transport certification Australia uh, out of uh, what was uh, Osroads research uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, so very similar effort that we need to lead in this uh, in this exercise of temporary traffic management harmonization and that's why we've got um, Chris with us today. So I'll leave with Chris now to give us a bit more of a um, description of the new approach that we're taking in this project, the, the way we stage the project as per uh, the project plan that we've uh, developed over the last few months and got approved by the Temporary Traffic Management Task Force and our board. Uh, on this, I will welcome Chris to 
take on the rest of this presentation. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Richard, um, and thank you, Katerina. Um, I just wanted to uh, take you through the, the, I guess, the journey, in a way, uh, of what is this implementation project, and in particular, the plan. Um, clearly, we have uh, a new Ostroads guide that's been in place since December of uh, 2019. And the next stage is effectively getting industry, and what I mean by industry, that's different sectors of industry, just the, the agencies, to all harmonize in its adoption. And to do that, uh, the health check identified five key areas of harmonization that are necessary. And they are one, we need to harmonize our training packages for effectively these three key roles, which are traffic controllers, uh, traffic management implementers, and traffic management designers, so that someone who is trained anywhere in Australia effectively is coming out with the same level of training, which is encompassing both face to face and practical experience. We need to have a mechanism to ensure that uh, registered training organisations who are approved are not simply uh, approved because they are registered to do training, but they're approved because they are approved in temporary traffic management. And in doing so, allowing them to be mutually recognised from state to territory and so forth. A pre-qualification of temporary traffic management organisations that allows them to be uh, recognised uh, and have the same standard across the country. Eventually, an IT system that allows this sharing of information, which effectively allows the mutual recognition to take full effect. And also uh, with the inundation of innovative and new devices on the market, a national approval mechanism that allows the recognition of these devices into the Australian and hopefully New Zealand markets. The complexity lies in the fact that every state has a foundationally different starting position. We recognise that temporary traffic management is a new, it's been happening for many decades. And if we take a sort of a, a barometer check, I would say, on how it is uh, implemented in across the states and territories, we'll find that, as I said, the starting position is so varied, it adds this complexity so that everyone has a different journey to take to arrive at this national harmonized position. For example, and a very simple example, everyone can call themselves a, a traffic controller in Australia. And yet, the pathway to become a traffic controller, depending on the state or territory you're in, varies from simply a face-to-face -face, uh, training exercise with simulated practical environments, to one which is trained and yet oversighted by approvals by the state, to the other extreme, which is more highly regulated, which encompasses training material developed by the state and provided to the, to the registered uh, training organisation. This variability in starting position adds a layer of complexity that we have to deal with. And it's fair to say that, as Richard articulated in his introduction, that in some cases that wasn't clearly understood or rather, if understood, the ramifications of it weren't clearly appreciated. The delivery of this implementation project has been split up into what effectively are eight individual projects or project work streams. I'm not gonna go through them in detail because I've got other things which, are, which will highlight these, apart from simply saying that we can't do all eight of these in one go. And the reason is because a lot are 
codependent on each other, but others are totally dependent on and see them as prerequisites to being completed. So, for example, it's pretty obvious to people that you can't build an IT system unless you've got the foundational policy and operational environment set so you can actually code the IT system as such. To that effect, we've identified what is effectively a three-stage implementation pathway. So eventual harmonization will be three stages of work in which each of those eight will be completed. We are now in stage one, and I wanna make that clear. We're not just talking about what we will do. I'm actually talking about what is underway now and progressing. And stage one will be delivered in totality by the end of June of next year, but it is already delivering. So we're not waiting to put everyone at ease. We're not simply waiting until the end of June and saying, here it all is. Rather, we are delivering as things are produced and as things are ready and approved by the appropriate um, members of the team and the board. Stage one is at the current stage, comprises the updating of the guide. Uh, it requires the development of something that hasn't been done to date, but a cost benefit analysis and the revenue generating options mapped across the different stages. And by that, I mean, we need to know what the benefits are and the costs to different stakeholders in different stages of this harmonization. Uh, stage one will deliver consistent, eight consistent training packages and associated practical experiences that will be used by registered training organisations, which are subsequently approved through an approval process. We're also ensuring that in stage one, we develop a mechanism to receive for assessment and national approval devices, technologies and systems which are increasingly being brought to governments individually for the delivery of temporary traffic management. Stage two, which will commence after the favourable assessment. In other words, if we've done a good enough job and the indicators look like it should progress, stage two will commence with effectively providing a consistent temporary traffic management delivery practice and pre-qualification scheme for temporary traffic management organisations. The reason that's in stage two is quite simple. We need to have the building blocks ready. We need to have an understanding of the different foundational operational issues which are encompassed in the training packages in the registered training organisations before we then deal with the temporary traffic management entities that deliver the services. In addition to this, will be to prepare all the necessary collateral, that is the collateral to tender and procure the IT system and to identify the resources in that operationalization as well. Stage three is effectively very simple, again, based on the favorable outcomes of stage two, to actually build and then operate the IT system that will allow the harmonious uh, interfacing of this information across all stakeholders. So that's the three stage pathway that we have. And it's important that you recognize that the foundational reason we can't do it all at once is because of the dependencies and codependencies in the different work streams. Just a reminder, uh, if you have questions, please at the left side of your screen, you'll be able to uh, pose a question. And again, if it's related to a particular slide, just a reminder, if you can indicate the question in the slide, that will make our job quite um, more streamlined when we address your questions later in the, in, the, in the webinar. What I wanna do now is go through those five stage one uh, objectives, those five stage one work streams, identify what their outcome is, and I'll tell you where we are and what we would hope and need from yourselves. The first one is uh, 
the releasing and the maintaining and updating of the Austroads Guide to Temporary Traffic Management. Last month, we released version 1.1 of the guide. Effectively, about 104 foundational technical issues, all captured in an accompanying research report, which is available and currently being adopted by every state. These documents are, of course, available on the Austroads website, and I welcome you to ascertain these. What we've also completed is a very important implementation document that will also be on the website very soon. We recognise that this guide is a living document. We recognise that this guide is effectively being adopted by states and be used as we speak. At this very moment, there are temporary traffic management sites being erected, dismantled and operated throughout the country. And there are learnings and experiences and questions that come out of those operations. We want to know about them. So what will be placed on the website very soon will be an external facing document that invites you at any level within an organization to provide comment, to provide information, to show your concerns. And this information is important because it achieves the following outcomes. Number one, it tells us that the document is being used, either understood or has issues, and we need to address those. Now, some of those issues may be Austroads' responsibility, and we will address them appropriately. Other issues might be those of our member agencies. So we'll ensure that that information is sent to the member agencies. But above all, it will allow us to update and maintain the guide so that we can truly say it represents best practice. So we need your input. And this process will be a streamlined process with accountabilities, I should say, on Austroads responding to you as well. At the same time, we are finalising our internal process, which allows us to receive and deal with these issues. The second work stream, which is very important, is we are undertaking, as we speak now, a cost-benefit analysis that provides both a qualitative and quantitative articulation of the benefits and associated costs of harmonised temporary traffic management practice. You listening to us now have an interest in one form or other in this project. That's why you're tuning in. The reality is this project will deliver change to your operations. They'll have benefits and they may have associated costs. We need to both understand these and quantify these. Hence, this benefit cost analysis is being undertaken as we speak. We've engaged the services of a consultant, um, an economist, uh, Mr. Damien Yeo out of Queensland, along with Professor Phil Charles from the University in Queensland, who will both take on crash incident data and broad costs that are captured, but also require your assistance. They have developed, and the intention literally is, after this webinar, for us to issue out three detailed questionnaires to stakeholders. One questionnaire to road transport agencies, a second questionnaire to temporary traffic management companies and entities that provide services, and the third and final questionnaire to registered training organisations that provide the training services. I invite you to email us to respond to the feedback questionnaire at the end of this webinar. If you would like to receive a questionnaire, because you fall into one of those three categories and you're already not on our list, please advise us and we'll make sure you get a questionnaire. This questionnaire is important because it will also inform what areas we need to ensure we, we provide greater attention to in getting right as the project progresses to the other stages.
So very important. And as I stressed, it requires your input. And we really look forward to receiving as many responses as are available. The third work stream, which is currently underway, is a national temporary traffic management device assessment scheme. As we speak, I know, because I get told this all the time, that there are both suppliers of technology and users of technology that approach each state road transport agency or each Austroads member with requests to have things approved. And lo and behold, it ends up being each state that's, that has, has to assess this. And in many cases, the tests that are done, the physical tests that are done, are actually repeated from state to state. And as important as this is, there are benefits in having a national approach. But I want to stress that it's more than just the technical assessment. And this is what's really important. The technical assessment in any such operation is one dimension. As important as it is, it's only one dimension. The reality is that there are other impacts to such an assessment. The first one being, is this device supported by the Austroads Guide to Temporary Traffic Management? In other words, will we have to change the Austroads Guide to Temporary Traffic Management to accommodate it? Number two, does the device require specific training that needs to be undertaken so that someone can operate it? So rather than just simply being a device, is the assessment necessitating training that's required so that someone who's approved to use it doesn't simply buy the technology or use it, but has people who are trained to use it? And in light of that dimension, do we need to, at Austroads, update our training material, which is currently being developed, to accommodate this new device that's taking place? So I just want you to understand and appreciate that one of the inhibitors in getting this thing done is not simply making sure the claims made by an applicant are met, that is the technical claims, but we need to ensure we have the regulatory environment that supports its use, the guide that recognises its use, and the necessary local and national training that also allows people to use it safely. This is currently underway and our aim is in the first quarter of, uh, of next financial year, that is in July of 2023, being able to receive applications for approval. The application process is currently being developed by uh, our delivery agency, which is Transport Certification Australia for Austroads, and it will encompass a national assessment process, which, as I mentioned before, takes into account technology, regulation, training, and the existing guide. It will then, subject to its successful passing, provide a national approval, recognizing that there will always be a jurisdictional adoption process that takes place. And as I've always said to people, the jurisdictional adoption process is not a second gate to deny something. Rather, it's the necessary gate to permit its local use, given the federation that we're in. The fourth element that is currently underway is the training framework for temporary traffic management. There are three dimensions in which this temporary traffic management training material has to successfully get a tick from or pass. The first one is its content requirements have to achieve the safety outcomes that we want. In other words, the experience by not just the industry, but the experience from regulators in what we expect to come out of to come out from someone who has successfully 
being trained and achieve the practical experience necessary for them to work autonomously on the road network. Secondly, we need to recognize that this is training material. It is national training material. And there is, and we need to give due respect to the fact that there is a national training regulatory environment out there that we need to accommodate. So the minimum training requirement must also ensure that the training material, once submitted by an approved RTO, would be acceptable to and pass the National Training Regular ASQA and the VRQA and the TAC if they're only practicing in Victoria or Western Australia, respectively. And of course, it has to also be acceptable to a broad stakeholder group. So the experience, the training experience as delivered by an RTO, but as received by a student must also be uh, acceptable. This area in particular had a number of um, what I call foundational operational issues that we need to resolve. And some of those deal with course prerequisite conditions. In other words, what is your eligibility to sit a course? Um, the recognition that the practical in-field experience is foundational. And in my discussions with both industry and government, uh, industry wants people to be able to be job ready. Now, you're not going to be job ready if you have only done face-to-face -face training. So we have to be cognizant of this and we're working through this. Mutual recognition conditions. Uh, someone trained in one state should be able to approach another state, if they so choose, to, be, to have those qualifications recognized. And also very importantly, we have to be respectful of the fact that we have temporary traffic management positions and roles in operation as we speak. These positions require the transition from the old to the new, and that is a critical part of this uh, implementation project. Moving on to the status, we have a suite of consultants working on this as we speak. They encompass both people that can develop training material to people who are trained in developing training material material that is assessed and audited by regulators. Uh, we're also very conscious of the fact that we are dealing with a myriad of different skill sets uh, and they are being encompassed as well. As I mentioned, we're, this is underway and we're progressing, but there are also issues that we need to resolve. The temporary traffic management environment characterization uh, and that other words being, what is the training and experience levels for each category that someone operates in? The individual training requirements as we move from training in class to making sure that someone included in that is the practical on-road experience. And importantly, making sure, and I think this is a foundational issue that we need to make sure we get right, is that the role of the registered training operator and the role of the employer, basically the temporary traffic management company, is correctly balanced so that job ready people enter the market because the RTO has done their job, allowing the temporary traffic management organisation to do its job in their induction and so forth. And that balance needs to be right. And going forward, we need to ensure that we have as I mentioned, the transition arrangements in place, but also appropriate refresher courses so that the skill set remains current. And that is yet a message that I've received by both the regulating and the regulated parties. As I mentioned, the training packages are underway. We have eight national packages. These are new to people. Uh, we have some that are effectively completed, and when we reach a stage when we have sufficient, we will then start releasing them to RTOs in particular for their insight and comment, and that will be very soon. The final stage one work stream is the RTO approval framework for temporary traffic management. We need to ensure that we have a approach which is nationally recognised, albeit each state does it, 
for the application, the oversight slash audit, and the renewal processes for registered training organizations that seek to provide approved training provider services. This process has to be acceptable so that each state will mutually recognize the application and currency from another state which has approved an RTO. As per the others, this is well underway. We have engaged the services of a consultant and we are now developing the necessary collateral so this can take place. With that note, I wanted to just simply stress that implementation and operalization of an initiative is making sure that, especially I should say in a federated environment, that every party recognizes what the other party is doing, acknowledges it and respects it, and then adopts it as well. So uh, it's not much, my job effectively is to make sure that the collective is moving in the right direction and we land somewhere where everyone is accepting of everyone else's position and outcome so that we achieve a nationally harmonized process. And that requires uh, very strong relationship skills so that in most cases you find the differences are legitimate based on reasons that need to be understood and then prosecuted and worked through so that they uh, achieve harmonious outcomes. So it's not so much a technical issue, it's an issue of relationships and an issue of understanding the status of each organization and just to harp on from the beginning given the starting position of each state is and territory is so different it adds that complexity that we need to manage on that note i will uh, along with richard be more than happy to receive your questions thank you chris for this detailed presentation about our new uh, revised approach to this project. Uh, very detailed, we do we do have a few questions, which is great. Thanks to, to the audience for that. I'll probably start, uh, Chris, with uh, a few questions in relation to the, the training uh, the training aspects of, um, of, of the project. Um, probably first of all, um, how do we align the, the training Packages with the, um, the the units of competencies defined by AISC um, and, and, and that are required for participants to gain the qualification. So, how do we align the the training package against the units, and and maybe how do we keep them aligned going forward? Happy to let you go first, and if you if if need be, I'll complement as as you wish. Sure. Um... I mentioned uh, when I was talking about training that we have a suite of consultants. One consultant um, our, uh, from Queensland, uh, uh, Tony Fagan, I don't, I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning it. His background is in on the regulatory side. And uh, for those of you that are across units of competency, they're very specific. They talk about the requirements. They, they ensure that uh, they seek to make sure that you are trained in the things that they state and then you're assessed against the things that you're trained and our job is to make sure that the training packages align to those units of competency precisely what we're making sure we do is the content from that we're gaining from the guide so the guide the images the content in the guide will form the the, the baseline that populates the training packages. Um, so that alignment is critical. Um, how do we make sure we keep it up to date? Well, I mentioned how important it is that the industry's experiences are received by Austroads. And we, we're implementing a process to have that coming in. And with, with respect to the guide, it's obvious, as I mentioned earlier, but more importantly, with respect to the training, um, we want RTOs when they're delivering training packages to tell us what does work and what doesn't work. We want to improve them, that's critical. That's, that's an ongoing process because one thing is constant and that is change. And 
the types of questions and issues and people coming through the training, that will also change as technology changes. So first answer is um, we will ensure the training packages deliver what the units of competency and the skill sets require. That's critical. And the second thing is, in addition to ongoing review by Oslo's periodically, we want your feedback to make sure we get it right. And as issues emerge, we can address them. Great. Thank, Thank you. you, Chris. I, I, may, I may add to this, Chris, that we are uh, in regular contact with uh, the Industry Reference Committee, which is uh, currently chaired by uh, Tanya Connors. Um, so we, we obviously uh, ensure that connection in case further updates to the, the, the units of competencies and skill sets may be required uh, down the track. Obviously, as you said, Chris, we're uh, developing the training packages in line with the current uh, and recently revised units of competencies, but should further changes be required, we'll, uh, we'll coordinate with the IRC uh, on that matter. Um, last year, Chris, we, as you know, we, um, we, we uh, consulted with uh, representatives from registered training organizations um, on the development of the, especially the, the TC1 training package, which is, uh, which we, have, we are finalizing now as the, the, the first of the, the, the seven um, or eight, sorry, eight uh, training packages we're developing. Uh, question from probably somebody who is on this, uh, who was consulted at the time. Um, uh, will, will we, uh, the project, uh, continue to uh, consult with the RTO working group? And uh, there's a bit of a question whether we, we uh, this RTO working group will be uh, providing uh, approval of the training packages that we're developing. So maybe a bit more than what we expect there. Chris. Um, well, the, the first part is uh, with the benefit cost analysis, uh, I mentioned that after this webinar, we'll be issuing a questionnaire. We That will be my first opportunity to actually engage with the RTOs as well. So uh, all of you on the RTO working group will be receiving the questionnaire anyway. If some of you aren't on the RTO working group and you want to receive it, please contact us. Uh, that I will be communicating not just a questionnaire, but a pathway forward for the consideration of all the training packages by the RTO group. So right. your input is critical, um, but remembering that the final approval of these things uh, are actually done by our the, the Austroads members through their mechanisms, through the board uh, structures that we have. But um, we're also very conscious of making sure that the training material is deliverable. So your input is critical to that as well. Great. Thank you, Chris. Um, another question, um, which I think you've partly answered, but let's let's try uh, clarifying that even further. Um, probably coming from an RTO saying, well, the, the guide's been released in December 2019. We are still currently delivering training uh, in the old-fashioned way. Um, how does that work when, uh, um, you know, we've got a new guide and we don't have yet the training packages? So. I think it's to do with the timing, confirming the timing of the delivery of our training packages, uh, Chris. Yes, um, yes, that's unfortunate. Uh, what, what can I say? I mean, um, the, the, there's, there's, there's another dimension that we need to highlight, and that is the guide is a document which is uh, referenced by individual states in their instruments. So when you deliver, when someone delivers a service in a particular state, they're delivering it across the local jurisdictional instrument, which references parts of the guide, not all the guide. So we need to make sure that it's not, uh, we, we, we need to position the guide for where it is in a regulatory environment. The other aspect is, yes, this is com more complicated than, than, uh, than we thought, and hence why we did the health check, and hence why we're setting it uh, right. Um, so I'm hoping that very soon we'll be able to send the RTO reference group and through the jurisdictions to their RTOs, if they're not on the reference group, the training package TC1 in its full set, so we can receive commentary on that. Um, so that's, um, I mean, there's nothing else I can say on that. Yeah, and, and, and repeating what you've said, Chris, before, that the intent, our plan is to deliver the other seven packages beyond TC1 by the end of the year, uh, ready for uh, our member agencies to use in the licensing Great. model uh, with their registered training organizations. So from next financial year, 
uh, we should see we should see uh, registered training organizations using the national training packages and and delivering their training services upon upon those Correct. those packages. And, and just to highlight that each state and territory has adopted the guide through its instruments. So if you're delivering a service in Queensland or, or New South Wales or, or South Australia, then you're not the the guide the Australia's guide is the reference document the instrument is what the particular jurisdiction has and that's a very important distinction great uh, another couple of questions on training because i think it's uh, obviously it's a core part of stage one uh, and and everything connects back to training uh, down the track so um does the training mean that someone will have to have a job first before before doing the training given the rto won't be providing the practical experience you know that's a, a key a key uh, issue we've been talking with our member agencies chris uh, if you want to expand on the how, how we expect uh, practical experience alongside the training the, the the answer is no they i mean they they don't need to have a job even though we recognize that temporary traffic management companies might uh, as part of their recruitment, organise uh, some sort of a relationship with with one or more RTOs. Um, the I mentioned in the presentation that we need to ensure that we have a what I call a codependency between RTOs and temporary traffic management companies, and that's what we're currently working on as we speak. We want to make sure that um, as much, whilst the RTO has responsibility. They can deliver the practical side in a myriad of different ways and that's an important dimension that we're aware of and we're dealing with literally when i say literally through the technical reference group uh, as we speak uh, in fact a meeting on thursday is dealing exactly with those issues um, just to give you an idea there were there were approximately 15 what i call foundational or key operational policy issues that we had to resolve before we could progress the project We've effectively progressed most of them, and the remaining four are to do in this space. So it's very conscious of it, it's front of mind, and um, we're, we're dealing with it now. And hopefully, in the very next webinar, we'll be able to give you the, the, the outcome of that. Or through our website as well, uh, and, and some sure. of the delivery variables. Yep, great. Uh, another question on training, probably before we move on. Uh, um, Gentleman here saying uh, his company um, has 400 workers who hold traffic management certifications. So obviously, the proposed changes to the training model will uh, will require a transition. Uh, maybe, um, what are your thoughts, Chris, in terms of the, the proposed changes in terms of their implication on cost and also the the time frame that we expect for industry to uh, transfer from current certifications to the new ones? Yeah, look, th that one. That, that issue, we're providing a broad um, guidance to the road agencies, but the reality is that each road agency will manage its transition based on things that it deals with its industry members. And I want to be very clear here that uh, Ostros um, is developing a, a roadmap for its transition, but it recognises that uh, each state and each territory has its own training providers and its own companies that it provides services and it will engage with their, its service providers in that sense to develop a transition pathway for when it's ready and how it's ready and what will need to be done. So um, I don't want to sort of overstep the mark here and elevate Austroads to, to a position which it doesn't hold. Uh, what we have done is provided uh, advice on transitional arrangements, but we recognise that each state will part, make its own pathway. Looking at what its neighbours are doing, there's no doubt it will, it will be conscious of that, but it will identify its pathway for, the, for transitioning across. And the key input to that will be the people listening to this webinar now per agency. So that's very important. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Um, there's there's a few questions we'll uh, we'll um, we'll answer offline. Um, I apologize for that. Just to try and get a diversity uh, in in the type of questions that we're getting as well. Uh, maybe a core question, Chris, uh, that doesn't hurt repeating again. Uh, as we keep on referring to the guide, and the guide is is the the, the, the central point of everything. Um, 
is 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 it a guide or, or will it be prescriptive so so what is the status of the guide uh from a nosewords perspective i think it's standard across all nosewords guide but maybe you want to comment on that as well look the each state has its instrument be it regulatory based or quasi regulatory based which is the let's call it the prescription if i was to use the language of the question that instrument references some parts or all the parts of the guide so the guide will always be as the dame says guide when it's referenced in a prescriptive document by a particular jurisdiction then the guide that section of the guide that's referenced is obviously elevated for that particular jurisdiction so if i'm a, a temporary traffic management entity providing services yes i've got the guide in my bookshelf um, but the reality is it's the local instrument that is my document that prescribes what i should do or not and that points to uh, other things in addition to the guide great thank you chris for this clarification um, moving on to the device assessment scheme uh quite a few questions on, on uh, quite similar um in terms of i think you've answered some of that but uh the the, the time frame of of the the delivery of the device assessment scheme i think you said chris that well, obviously we're working to delivering an operational scheme by first uh, of july 2022 uh so next uh next year um and and, and there's a few questions as to um whether the scheme uh how does the scheme that we're designing work against any existing uh device assessment scheme uh that that uh, some jurisdictions may be using uh will uh devices approved under other schemes uh be approved uh under our scheme uh de facto or do we will we need to will industry need to reapply um how, how does that work yeah look up uh, i there are obviously devices now which, which are being used that have been approved by each jurisdiction or by jurisdictions. And uh, we are looking at a method which allows the particular jurisdiction to submit that device, but recognize that experience, right? So, um, so we don't necessarily see uh, a complete reassessment of the whole device for things that are already operational and approved but we do see a consideration so it can be adopted, especially in the cases where other states have not recognized that device in operation in their state, but is being used in other states. Um, the, uh, we, we, as I said, we need to distinguish between there's an assessment process, there's an, a national approval through this effectively this panel that will be set up of Austroids members, and then there's the necessary adoption process that follows because every state has different mechanisms to recognize things and it's not because they're not trying to recognize them it's that they're trying to recognize them properly through their mechanisms so we need to be cognizant of that process now hmm. um, in an example where let's say there's one state that has a device that's been approved and not used anywhere else i would ex i would hope i would expect that particular state along with the provider or supplier of that device to champion that submission you know I, I wouldn't expect the state to sit back sort of agnostic uh, it would be a very important and valuable contributor because it's actually being used so the assessment process that we're looking at uh, is very dependent on the the type of device and its complexity and its use or otherwise so if this device has never been used anywhere in the world and it's very complex then the assessment in turn will be as complex to substantiate mm. the claims being made on the other hand if a device is used in two australian states and it's got a broad acceptance overseas and there is evidence that can be brought to the table then obviously the journey or the pathway to approval will be a quite different one so we need to recognize that um, prior experience, prior knowledge, prior um, operational uh, experience, uh, non -ex -ex experience as such, is, is will be taken into account in any assessment. Great. 
Thank you, Chris. I think I think industry is very keen to see uh, this sort of scheme uh, in operations. But um, how does that work in terms of how, how the, uh, what guarantee or, or, or certainty uh, will the industry get in terms of uh, how these devices will be adopted beyond being approved for use? Well, well, can I? Can I just say that, um, look, it's a very important question, and it's a question that goes to the foundations of federation. We, we need, we, I keep on reminding people that all our states in Australia were in existence before Australia was formed. So, you know, if you get the pecking order, the, 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 the states came together to form Australia. So we need to recognise that. Um, I think one important dimension is we're setting up a panel in which every state and territory and New Zealand will be represented. And I'm hoping, in fact, I'm, I'm quite comfortable that with the right people on the panel, local issues will be dealt with at the panel level. Um, when I've looked at other such schemes uh, that have taken place, one of the problems with these schemes is that um, they don't have representation from every stakeholder. So this panel, this Austroad national panel, Will have every state in it. What so far we've been told by every state, they want to make sure that the tests that they would normally do in their state, the environments that they would normally assess, would be assessed nationally. So it's not, I think one tick of success will be to make sure that when a when the panel and its consultants and its and its the people working on the panel deliver a submission up for consideration and approval that every panel member, irrespective if they're from New Zealand to Western Australia to the Northern Territory or to Tasmania, can in that submission see the things that they would have done if they were assessing it individually. That's what's important, that they will sit back and say, well, in our environment, we have this situation that arises. Was this assessed? Was this test tested? Uh, others might say, we want to make sure that the training that's required to operate this device is adequately captured so that we don't let it loose and then people are using it and we're not ready for it. Another state might also say, look, we need to make sure that we're ready, that we are ready to be able to receive temporary traffic management plans that include this device so we as a purchaser are able to assess it properly. So. All those issues have nothing to do with technology. They have to do with readiness. So I'm hoping that if the if the panel is doing its job properly, every submission going up would tick every question that would have been asked by every state if they were doing it individually. So that's my hope. Brilliant. And we we are designing the scheme in in, the, in that uh, in that objective, obviously with exactly with our right. member agencies. Great. Uh, just yeah. maybe going. Going a bit to the cost-benefit analysis, uh, Chris, a couple of questions there uh, before we wrap it up. Um, um, will so just so I'm just going to be reading uh, in relation to the the survey, the questionnaire. Can you also include a snapshot of the general public and and gain a snapshot of their understanding and expectations? Quantifying this requirement is, in my opinion, of of the the person writing this question will be paramount. At this is all for the safety from the general public. So how do we capture the the the, the views of the of the general public into uh, our surveys, probably indirectly through through the the, the, the industry representatives we really reaching out. Yeah, look at at one level that's correct. At the other level, I mentioned that the that if the the, the cost benefit analysis is already underway, and part of that work has been in the more traditional um, um, crash data that's there. And, and expectations that have come from those reports. But um, I do take the point, it's, it's, a, it's an important consideration that lies in making sure we can capture that information. Uh, so I'll, I'll make sure that um, in addition to the, the evidence we've collected through traditional crash data that's been provided, uh, that we, we look at what for, and it's an unfortunate scenario, but for most of the cases in which there have been significant accidents, we do have recommendations that have come out from investigations and coroner's reports, and we'll endeavour to capture that as well. Um, 
but there's no doubt what we're hoping on is that the information that is sent to us from RTOs and temporary traffic management companies effectively encapsulates their experiences as well. Great. Thank you, Chris, for this. Uh, we, we're running out of time. As I said earlier, we'll uh, endeavor to, um, to, uh, to, to review the other questions and respond to them offline. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for your time today. Uh, I'll hand over to Ekaterina to finalize this uh, webinar. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, and thank you, Chris. Um, and yeah, we have some questions left, so we will prepare responses and email uh, uh, that to you after the session. Uh, so just quickly before we let you go, um, we have one session coming up in November. Please join us to hear about the new Austroads Guide to Transport Operations and Management, which is the former Guide to Traffic Management. Uh, we are currently organizing a few more sessions and we'll publish more information on our website shortly. So please keep an eye on our webinars and events page or sign up to our monthly newsletter to receive alerts. And as usual, uh, when we close out today's session, there will be a questionnaire uh, on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback and um, let us know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. And also let us know if you would like to participate in the upcoming um, survey for this project. Uh, once again, this session is being recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. So thanks again, everyone. Um, stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your your day. We will see you next time.